With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live. No, it's not on Facebook Live. I forgot that. We're on Twitter and we're on YouTube. I'm so excited. I forgot that we're not even on Facebook anymore. I am Bryson Carver, as always, and today's a good day. Today's a very good day because the Golden State Warriors are back in their series against the Sacramento Kings. I'll lead the show off with that in just a moment. I will also get to the biggest topic of discussion in the National Basketball Association, and that would be the two flagrant fouls, two different levels of flagrants, of course, one to Joel Embiid in the first quarter against the Brooklyn Nets. One in the late third quarter against James Harden uh, against the Brooklyn Nets. Same game, same game three, which was a very, very entertaining contest between Brooklyn and Philadelphia, which the Sixers ended up winning. I will give you my thoughts on both of those, why I was fine with the punishment for one, not with the other. But it's not what you think, and it's not for the reasons that you think. I'll get to that later in the show, as well as why by... It's like, I knew last night between the Clippers and Suns was going to be close. I'm starting to lose confidence in the Phoenix Suns as a potential title contender, even in the Western Conference, which this year has been the significantly lesser conference of the two. I'll get to that later in the show, as well as Jamison Williams uh, getting suspended for six games for gambling uh, with the Detroit Lions. To me, this is 10 times worse than what Calvin Ridley did last year. I'll get into that as well. Uh, and also, I didn't I didn't want to touch on this yesterday because I wanted to you know, talk about Draymond yesterday. And again, uh, once again, big thanks to Jill Baxter. Incredible, incredible interview. Loved having her on. She was the best. Wanted to kind of keep it, keep it classy, keep it, you know, very lighthearted. But I will get into the into the Dylan Brooks and LeBron James uh, situation a little later on. But there's no other way to start carving it up live today with the fact that rumors of the demise of the Warriors dynasty have been greatly, greatly exaggerated. You know, after game two, I'm talking immediately after game two, when the final buzzer sounds and that purple flashlight explodes into the air in Sacramento, California. I have to admit to you, I was a little down, not out. Was it ready to give up on my Golden State Warriors, who I predicted once again to win this year's championship to go back-to-back? -back. But I was a little down. 
right? That's the second game on the road for a team that hasn't been very good on the road. Matter of fact, has been horrible on the road all season long. 11-30 and 30 coming into the postseason. Now 11-32 as we see here today if you include the playoffs. And I, I just wasn't feeling good. Draymond just gotten tossed for the flagrant two. Steph had a bad shooting night. Just not a good night. And if you would have come to me immediately after that buzzer sounded and that beam was lit at the Golden One Center in Sacramento, if you would have come to me in that moment and said, Bryson, game three, your season's on the line. Because we all know if Golden State goes down 3-0, they were going to suffer the same fate as every single team in NBA history that's went down 3-0, which is they would lose. No team's ever come back from 3-0, as we all know. Biggest game of the year season. Season on the line. Draymond Green is going to be suspended for this game. I'd have been like, that's ridiculous. You'd be like, yeah, you're right. It is ridiculous. Also, check this out. Gary Payton's going to get sick. He's not going to be available. Like, oh, crap. That's that's our best. That's our one of our best defenders on the team. Oh, how about this? Clay Thompson, you're going to need a big game from Clay to win game three. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Clay's going to shoot 33% from the field. He's going to score 13 points. Oh, God, I don't, I don't love to hear that. Dante DiVincenzo, he's going to give you all the hustle plays. He's going to give you great defense, but he's going to go two freight from the field. Mm, I, don't, I don't like the sound of that. And uh, as a little cherry on top, Jordan Poole is going to continue to be awful on the offensive end. Man, I'm not feeling good. You're going to say, no, I got good news for you. Golden State's never even going to trail in this game. It's going to be a wider-to-wider victory, and you guys are going to pretty much control the game all throughout, win by 17. I'd have been like, so we we bring our C-plus, B-minus-ish game, and we win comfortably? (laughs) I am not here to say the the momentum is completely shifted, because it hasn't. The reality of the situation is that Sacramento still leads two games to one, and Sacramento still is home court. Sacramento, as we sit here today, does not have to win a single row game in order to win this series. You'd like to. You don't want it to go seven. You don't want to be in a position where your season is on the line in a do-or-die game seven. But in theory, you don't have to win a row game if you're the Kings. You do if you're the Warriors. Got to get at least one in, 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 in Sacramento. But to say last night gave me all the more confidence that I really desperately needed that Golden State would still win this series would be an understatement because um, Steph Curry, you know that guy who, there was a narrative going around yesterday. It was, it was kind of weird. It, it's been persisting throughout Steph's career. You know, you, I, you know, I talk about false narratives on the show, like LeBron James isn't clutch. That is a false narrative. That's not, there's not, that's not even remotely true. Steph Curry is bad in the fourth quarter of playoffs. I can show you playoff game after playoff game after playoff game that proves that incorrect. There was a weird narrative going around about Steph yesterday. One pundit went so far as to make the idiotic claim that Steph was amazing in game four of last year's finals, but was bad the rest of the finals. Don't know where that came from. But Steph Curry, you know, just a cool 36 points. Hit six three-pointers. Got teammates involved. Andrew Wiggins, and I'll get to Wiggins a little later in the segment because there's something that he's doing that I don't think is getting enough attention. Stan Van Gundy on the call last night alluded to it, but I don't think it's getting enough attention, and Wiggins deserves all the credit in the world for this. But Wiggins gave gave you fantastic defense and an efficient 20 points. That's what I always say about Andrew Wiggins. It's why when he was out, when he was you know dealing with the family matter, I said, if Wiggins comes back, people don't realize how valuable Andrew Wiggins is. I said, they can't win the championship without him. He is a walking 20 points and great defense. You know how valuable that is in the NBA? 
Plus, he's a 40% three-point shooter. He It's still taking a minute. You know, he, he was, I think, three for 16. I think I saw the stat coming into game three from three-point range. Uh, but last night, three for six, shot 50%, made half his threes, got some good looks, knocked him down. And you anticipate that that'll continue to be the case for Andrew Wiggins. But the man of the night, listen, we expect Steph to be great. He's the seventh greatest player of all time. He's the best player in the world. We expect him to be great. Andrew Wiggins, you know what you're getting from a night-to-night basis. But the man of the hour, the man of the really two and a half hours that the game was played, was Mr. Kevon Looney. Listen, he scored four points last night. But he grabbed 20 boards and had nine assists. And I I didn't check every single assist, but I guarantee you 75% of those assists came off of offensive rebounds, kicking it out to shooters, whether it be Steph, whether it be Wiggins, whether it be anybody else. He was everywhere. Not only on the defensive glass, making sure that, because Golden State was bad rebounding the basketball, especially on the on, on the defensive end the first two games. Looney said, uh-uh, we're, that's not going to happen again. That's not going to happen. Not in our, our, our home building, not with our season on the line. 20 boards, nine of them offensive. And there's no shot in the NBA that is harder to defend than a three-pointer off of an offensive rebound. Because everybody's all, you know, the defense is kind of discombobulated. They're not focused on necessarily guarding their man. They're, you know, there's guys leaking out to try and maybe get a, a, a you know, a, a fast break opportunity. Whereas you got the big guys down low trying to get the rebound, and everybody's out of position, and you're going to get a wide open shooter, which is what happened much of the night. Kevon Looney was remarkable last night. This is a guy who, in the in the era of low management, has not missed a game in two seasons. Played all 82 last year. Played every playoff game last year. Played all 82 this year. Obviously, we're three games in. Of course, he has not missed a game to this point. He has been Iron Man for the Golden State Warriors over the last couple of seasons, and they will need him to be to be exactly that to win a championship. But to be without two of your best three defenders, because I think the Warriors' best three defenders are Draymond 1, Wiggins 2, Gary Payton 3. They miss Draymond and Payton. And still held the Kings the best offense statistically in NBA history. Now, obviously, we're not going to rank them there in terms of the all-time rankings. But statistically speaking, that's where they're at. Golden State held them to 41 points the first half. Under 100 points total. And the Kings, uh, as a whole, shot 38% from the field and 23% from three. You say, well, Bryson, shouldn't you feel a little, you know, a little nervous? The fact that... It took Sacramento shooting this bad from the field, shooting 38% for the field for you guys to win. If we had shot 50%, maybe. Folks, Sacramento shot a bad 38%. Golden State shot just 40%. Like, Golden State didn't play that well last night outside of Steph, Looney, and Wiggins. And DiVincenzo gave good minutes off the bench. By the way, somebody else as well I want to give a shout-out to. Moses Moody. You guys know I've loved this kid since they drafted him at Arkansas in 2021. 13 huge points off the bench, knocking down threes, getting in the paint, being aggressive all night long, really making the most out of his opportunity. And, you know, I said coming into the season, I felt like Moody would have a bigger role in the team than Kaminga, just in terms of the fit right now for a team that's trying to compete for championships more so than developing young players. But I just think it's really interesting that Golden State, and I don't know if it's the home thing, Playing at the Chase Center season on the line, but to shoot 40% from the field, you're without two of your best three defenders. 
Pool's awful. Clay shoots a, a poor percentage. So does DiVincenzo. And you never trail. The momentum hasn't shifted yet. However, and the great Kenny the Jet Smith brought this up after the game on Inside the NBA, and I 100% agree with him. Game four is on Sunday afternoon in San Francisco. Whoever wins game four wins the series. Because if Sacramento wins game four, not only do you have the component of they're up 3-1, very few teams have come back from 3-1 in history. Obviously, Golden State is has, you know, they did come back from 3-1 on the OKC Thunder in 2016, but that was a different team, different time, and the Warriors got two home games. Not only would Golden State go down 3-1, but in order to come back, they would have to win not one, but two road playoff games. That, to me, for a team that's been horrible on the road this year, would be too much to ask. But if Golden State wins game four, holds serve at home, all of a sudden, the pressure shifts. All the pressure in game five would be on Sacramento. All of it. You lose game five, this baby's over in six. They are not winning game six. Whereas if Golden State lose game five, okay, go home and defend, defend home court in game six, go to a game seven in Sacramento, as the old saying goes, anything can happen in a game seven. In a 48-minute stretch, Two teams with their, both their seasons on the line. You never know what could happen. And call me crazy for betting my, my, my dollar on the champs four times of the last eight seasons. Call me nuts in that regard. Big time win by the Warriors. I thought Steph Curry had the quote of the night. Something that I'll kind of touch on in the next segment. That, remember Draymond Green, they, they explained that Big part of the big reason he was suspended because of his his bad history of or quote unquote bad history of unsportsmanlike plays and whatnot. And Steph Curry said after the game, they said Draymond has a history. Well, we have a history too. Golden State tends to play its best basketball when their backs are against the wall. Big time win by the Warriors. 114-97. Sacramento leads two games to one. And to me, the series deciding game four Sunday afternoon at the Chase Center. Draymond's back. I anticipate Gary Payton will likely be back. Steph's in a rhythm. You feel like Clay's due for a big game coming soon. You know what you're getting from Wiggins and from Looney as well. I'm feeling pretty confident today if I do say so myself. Feeling pretty, pretty confident. By the way, Golden State's a seven and a half point favorite. Last point on Andrew Wiggins. Because I mentioned I wanted to get into one thing with Wiggins. There's something, and I'm take out the fact that I'm a Warriors fan, just as a basketball fan, what he's doing right now is pretty darn incredible. Because Andrew Wiggins' last basketball game before he came back, he came back game one of the playoffs, which was, see, it was last Sunday, so April 16th, right? No, April 15th. April 15th. It had been two months in a day since he had played before that, which was uh, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day was the last game that Andrew Wiggins played uh, for the Golden State Warriors before he took his two-month absence to deal with uh, the family matter. He's come back, and not only has he played well, he's playing pretty high minutes after two months off. Game one was supposed to be a minutes restriction game. Wiggins still played 28 minutes off the bench in game one. Uh, game two, they insert him right back into the starting lineup. He plays 39 minutes. Last night, and again, it's a game where they took the starters out with two minutes left because the outcome had been decided. Andrew Wiggins played 34 minutes. So Wiggins, outside of game one, his first game back, 
has played 30-plus minutes, almost 40 in Game 2, every game since coming back. That speaks to his conditioning. Uh, I mean, the, the fact that you give him all the credit in the world. Clearly, in the two months that he was not with the team, he stayed in shape. Like, he wasn't just lagging around, you know, screw around. It reminds me of a guy who uh, used to play for the Brooklyn Nets not too long ago who had to take a two-week absence, and they found him at the strip club. Uh, but Andrew Wiggins, serious family matter. Looks like he, he deals with that. Obviously, we still wish the very best for all involved in that situation. But he stayed ready. He understood that if he, when he had to come back, if and when he came back, he would be ready physically. He 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 worried about the mental part with whatever was going on, but physically that wasn't going to be a, que- a question for him. So hats off to Andrew Wiggins for for staying ready physically, for keeping his body obviously in great shape. I mean, I haven't watched one moment in this series where I've looked at Andrew Wiggins and be like, man, he, he you might want to give him a break. Like he's he's kind of gassed. Now he's playing 28 minutes in game one and then 30 plus in the next two. So guy looks like he hasn't missed a beat and playing. His style of play, and especially playing in an offensive system that Steve Kerr runs, you better be in shape because you are moving constantly. And when you are the best perimeter defender on the Warriors, or on any team in the NBA for that matter, you better be in shape if you're going to stay with the best uh, perimeter scorers in the NBA, which they're Steve Kerr's primarily putting Wiggins on De'Aaron Fox. Done a solid job. Uh, certainly did last night. Fox scored 26, but... Needed 22 shots to get there. And so, big time big time game from Andrew Wiggins. Uh, amazing game by Kavon Looney. Steph was, you know, Steph. You kind of grow to expect that from, from him in big time games. And DiVincenzo, great hustle plays. Moody with 13 off the bench. Kaminga made some nice hustle plays as well. The Golden State Warriors are back in business. You know, again, yesterday was... It, it, it's kind of ironic... <laughs> When you look at Kevon Looney's stat lines, if you exclude the assists, which nine assists for a big man is not named Nikola Jokic, is incredible. I mean, it's good for Jokic. It's it's amazing for anybody else because we don't have a ton of point centers, and certainly Looney will never be mistaken as that. But, you know, look, end of the day, Kevon Looney's stat line, four points, 20 rebounds. Fitting for what the, the date was yesterday. A lot of things were lit yesterday, to say the very least. A flashlight in Sacramento was not one of them. I'll leave you with that. Now to the topic of major discussion, not only in the NBA world, but really in the sports world right now. In Brooklyn, New York, at the Barclays Center last night, great game. Went down to the wire. Uh, Again, I had Philadelphia winning the series in five. I said Philly would take the first three. Brooklyn, just for pride purposes, would take game four, avoid the sweep. Philly would close them out in game five. And I still feel that way. I still feel like Brooklyn will get the W. I think When's their next game? Saturday? Okay, Saturday at 1 Eastern, so it's an early tip-off. Uh, I think Sacramento, I'm, I'm sorry, Brooklyn will take care of business. They'll win a home game. Philly will close them out uh, next week. But there were two plays in that game that were highly controversial in terms of how people reacted to them. So, okay, I think we, yeah, we've got the plays right here. So let's show the Joel Embiid play first. Here you go. So you got a lot of the Claxton, jumps over Embiid, makes a great play, knocks Embiid down, steps over them, and Embiid, turns into a rocket, as Kevin Harlan said on the broadcast, and kicks Claxton in the groin area. Again, we'll show it to you again. Here's the lob. Great play by Claxton. And there's the kick by Joel Embiid. He was assessed a flagrant one foul, allowed to stay in the game. Now, 
later on in the game, late third quarter, final seconds, uh, James Harden looking to to, 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 to score in space. Uh, he's guarded by Royce O'Neal of the Brooklyn Nets. And again, I'll sort of narrate for the podcast audience. Here you go. Harden's in ISO. And there's contact between him and Royce O'Neal. O'Neal's obviously shaken up on the play. And you'll see it here on the replay. Hold on a second. Okay, here you go. And you'll get a better angle the next look. And he uses so Harden uses his left hand to, you know, create space, but he uses the left hand and socks O'Neal in the in the private parts. Essentially what Embiid did, except Embiid kicked him. So here's my my take on both plays. I'll start with Harden. I'll start with Harden. Forget what happened with Embiid earlier, because I will get to that. I think Harden is the one to start with. I had no issue with that being a flagrant two. Here's why. James Harden has typically used, certainly his Houston days, an unconventional offensive game to create separation to get open looks. Obviously, we all know about his patented step-back three. Can't imagine how many points he scored off of that shot. And a lot of those, you know, you could argue, yeah, he's pushing off a little bit with his with his left arm or with his offhand, with his, his right arm, depending on what side of the court he's on, what wing he's on. We can argue about that another day. But that's Harden's game. That's how he's created separation for the vast majority of his career to get open looks. I've never seen that. Now, do I think it was... Do I think Harden meant to injure Royce O'Neal necessarily? It's kind of hard to prove intent. I don't think so. But notice he's not pushing off with his elbow or with his form. He uses, he balls up his, 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 his hand into a fist and socks him in that area. Call me crazy. I watch a lot of NBA basketball. I don't ever see that. And to me, that's that's kind of like the you know, that's kind of the no-no <laughs> of, of what to do in offense game, like not making contact with that area. But that's what Harden did. Like he, you know, he pushed off. Not, not only did he push off in that area, he used his cl- a closed fist to create space. I've never seen Harden do that. Maybe Rockets fans, you know, or Nets fans or Sixers fans, maybe even OKC fans can tell me I'm wrong. They've seen him do that before. They've watched a whole lot more James Harden basketball games than I have. But in the many games I've watched James Harden, never seen him do that. However, and while I have no issue with flagrant two, I do not believe under the NBA's supposed new criteria for what constitutes the ability to to suspend a player for a playoff game. Under what the NBA's criteria is, Harden should not get suspended. You see, Bryce, that's a flagrant two. It is a flagrant two. I'd have an issue with that. I didn't have an issue with Harden getting kicked out of the game last night. But, you know what James Harden does not have? Use a word that the NBA used in recent days. James Harden does not have a a history. That is not the case with his running mate, Joel Embiid. We'll show the Embiid play again. Here's the lob to Claxton. Falls down. 
So Embiid falls down. Claxton steps over him. Embiid, I don't care what anybody says. If you are laying on the floor on your back, a guy is stepping over you. Now, I don't I don't like, you know, Claxton stepping over Embiid. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like that if I were Embiid either. But he knows good and well what he's doing kicking up. That's not a heat of the moment during a play situation like James's was. It was, he falls on the floor, looks up, sees Claxton, takes a second, and then kicks. Kind of similar. Now, Draymond wasn't on the ground when he kicked Steven Adams, but similar to what Draymond did to Steven Adams twice, by the way, in 2016. If the NBA is all about history, if you have a a history of unsportsmanlike events, using the words of Joe Dumars, don't take my word for it. Take his word for when he suspended Draymond Green for last night's Game 3. If we're going off history, and that's the biggest reason, the facts say, the evidence says, that Joel Embiid has a far more questionable history than one Draymond Green does. And if Draymond Green gets suspended for Game 3, then why doesn't Joel Embiid get suspended at Game 4? You say, well, Bryson, what are you referring to? This is Draymond Green's 11th season in, in the NBA, okay? He was drafted in 2012. This is the 11th year in the league. Embiid, Joel Embiid was drafted in 2014. However, he, because of injuries, he did not make his debut until 2016. So this is technically Embiid's seventh year in the NBA. You got that? Embiid's seventh year in the league, healthy. Draymond's 11th year in the league. Draymond has played a little over 900 games, including the playoffs. Embiid has played 441 games, including the playoffs in his career. Okay, so you got that? Draymond's been in the league four years longer and has played over 450 more games than Embiid. Got that? Draymond's played 450 more games than Embiid has. In his career, including the playoffs, Draymond Green has been assessed 19 flagrant fouls. In 450 less games, Joel Embiid has been assessed 21. In 450 less games, Joel Embiid has more flagrant fouls than Draymond Green. If we're going to make this about history, there it is. Are we going to, and this is why I criticized Adam Silver yesterday more than I did Joe Dumars. Adam Silver has always been criticized, certainly in the last few years for being too soft on the players, too player-friendly. He used Draymond Green to make a statement. He caved to fan and media pressure to discipline somebody. Funny how there's no outrage today about Joel Embiid. You tell me. You tell me. Would you rather somebody... By the way, after you grab their ankle, step on your chest, or from down low, from lay, laying on the ground, kicking you in the groin area. You tell me which what you, you'd rather have happen to you. 
Because for me, the choice is pretty easy. For going off of history, then Joel Embiid should be suspended for game two. I'm sorry, game four, rather, of the Sixers game against the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, is it going to hurt Philadelphia? No. Matter of fact, I'd argue to help him. It gives him beat a game to rest. We saw him limping around. He injured his, his right knee during the game. And Philly's up 3-0. They're not losing the series. They may lose game four, but who cares? They can close it out in game five at home. Just goes to show you, kind of like what I was briefly talking about with Steph, like this notion that he's not great in fourth quarter playoff games, which is bogus. The notion that Draymond's just this out of control can't you know can't keep his hands himself as socking guys funny it's Embiid who in 450 less games has more flagrant fouls Draymond Green was used to for at by Adam Silver as an example he was used as a pawn to make the commissioner look good it's as simple as that Embiid does not serve that purpose for the commissioner that's all I got to say about that We've got a few comments here. Draymond, uh, Draymond. Barry Grant Jr. says the difference is Draymond isn't up for the MVP. Okay. He says narrative, uh, typical NBA BS. It's, I, I'm always, I can disagree with you on an opinion. I can disagree with anybody on an opinion. Just be consistent. If you're consistent, I got nothing to say. It's kind of like I talked about Draymond yesterday. I saw a lot of folks in the media, a lot of fans of previous generations talking about, oh, Draymond, what he's doing is bad for the game. He's dirty. Just get him out of there. Golden State needs to move on. It's those same fans who romanticize Bill Lambeer, Charles Oakley, Dennis Rodman. Love those guys. Hate Draymond Green. They're not that much different. Although Draymond is significantly more skilled than all three. But guys who set the edge cross the line from time to time. If you don't like Draymond, fine. Then you probably don't like, you shouldn't like Lambeer, Rodman, or Charles Oakley. If you're consistent on that, I got nothing to say. I disagree with you if you dislike Draymond, but at least you're consistent. Really funny how this all plays out. And by the way, a few hours ago, Adrian Wojnarowski, am I shocked? Not in the slightest. <laughs> Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted a, few, uh, tweeted a few hours ago that the Sixers, uh, this is, okay, this is from Woj, the NBA is taking no further action on Sixers fouls in Game 3. League sp spokesperson confirms no further action will be taken on Embiid and Harden. Surprise, surprise. How devastating would it be for the commissioner to suspend Joel Embiid for a game that means nothing to Philadelphia? If they win, great. They advance. If they don't, okay, cool. We'll advance on, you know, whenever they play again, Tuesday, Wednesday. Really interesting how they handled the situation. But can't say I'm shocked. It is what it is. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
But we did have some really good playoff action last night. It lived up to billing. Uh, a game I want to get into segment because I've talked about, I'd say the most talked about playoff games. Like everybody was wanting to see how's Golden State going to respond. Season on the line, no Draymond Green, and they responded like champions tend to respond. No surprise there. And then Philadelphia, Brooklyn, which some folks were talking about sweep that still potentially could happen. Philadelphia could absolutely win Game Four. Uh, certainly coming off of the, the momentum of a, of a close, you know. Hard-fought road win, especially Tyrese Maxey went off in those last couple minutes. He was incredible. Uh, I can't remember what he either. He was my pick to win sixth man of the year this year. It was Jordan Poole. It might, I think it was Tyrese Maxey. It might have been Jordan Poole. I can't remember who it was. If you ask me a vote between them today, it'd be Tyrese Maxey. Wouldn't even be close. But although Maxey has started some this season, but the third game that was sort of just kind of buried in the schedule last night was the game three between the Phoenix Suns and the LA Clippers. Which there's a lot of headlines in this series as well. So we know Paul George isn't going to play at all. Obviously, he injured his knee. A couple weeks left in the regular season. It was a really, really unfortunate break for him, for the Clippers. But he's gone for the entire first round. And then Kawhi Leonard, who reportedly sprained his knee in Game 1, fought through it, played in Game 2, was not able to go last night. And I said, I saw a lot of po- folks talking about, hey, this is a great opportunity for Phoenix to take care of the Clippers early, do what they got to do, and just rest their starters the whole fourth quarter. And I said on today's show, or yesterday's show, you are you are criminally underrating what the Clippers can do on a night-to-night basis, especially when their backs are against, not backs against the wall, when nobody believes they can win. Phoenix was an eight-and-a-half-point favorite coming into this game. I said, I'm taking the Clippers to the points. This is easy. This is an easy, easy bet. Because remember a few weeks ago, Russell Westbrook, you guys know I'm not a fan of Westbrook, but I said, give him this. When he's the solo act, he still is, I'm serious, he's still as good as he was in his prime. When he's the solo act, it's when he has to play with other stars that it becomes a problem and he's not conducive to winning team basketball. But I said, if you open up the floodgates for Russ, just let Russ be Russ. You know, he yeah, it doesn't have to defer to teammates that are clearly and obviously better than him, such as Kawhi or Paul George. You'll get the best version of him, which to me has always been the greatest indictment of Russ is that he's at his best when he's the solo show. Problem is, he's not one of those guys who, when he's a solo show, can take you where you want to be as a team. But long story short, Suns won last night, 129-124. A highly entertaining game. Every time Phoenix looked like they were going to maybe pull away, they get up 10, 12 points, the Clippers would make a run. Norman Powell was amazing. Playoff career high, 42 points. They got production from other guys. Uh, oh my gosh, Bones Highland played well. And what's starting to scare me about the Suns? And I said this, I don't know if I said it after game one, I definitely said it after game two. Is that for a team with two incredible scores, one who's a generational talent scoring the basketball, that being Kevin Durant, and one in Devin Booker who, you know, once upon a time scored 70 in an NBA game. He, he He's pretty good too. But with two guys who are that good at scoring the basketball, with Chris Paul who, while rapidly aging, I mean, I love CP3, but holy smokes, he looks every bit of, what is he, 37, 38 years old out there last night? With those guys, they should be able to get easy looks. But they're not. What scares me about the Suns 
I didn't think depth with depth would come into play as a potential factor that could get them beat in the playoffs. Because my thing was, we all know, rotations become much, much more slim, uh, much, much more confined to like seven, max eight guys, unless you're just a crazy deep team. Unless you're just like 2015 Golden State Warriors, like the 11th guy can uh, on the roster can come off the bench and give you good minutes. Like that's that doesn't happen much. It's usually like eight guys that you primarily use. Five starters, three guys off the bench who play serious minutes. That's why I didn't think it'd be a factor for the Suns. You still have uh, uh, Cam Payne, who should be coming back pretty soon. You still have Torrey Craig, who's playing well in the series. He had a huge shot, kind of the dagger shot with about a minute left of this basketball game. You have plenty of guys who can come off the bench, give you good minutes. Uh, Terrence Ross as well. Terrence Ross, listen, he, he's almost a little bit J.R. Smith. When he's cold, he's really cold, but when he's hot, he can't miss. You have that guy. You have plenty of dudes that can come off the bench and give you really, really good minutes. But it's taking thus far incredible efforts from Book, been the best player in the series thus far, and KD to win these games by the skin of their teeth. I still think Phoenix will win this series. I still think the Clippers will get one more game. I had Phoenix and six coming in. Kawhi comes back game four. I think the Clippers win that. Suns win the next two and go on to face the Denver Nuggets in the second round. But what worries me about Phoenix is that second round, they'll face Denver. Denver's very deep. They got plenty of guys to come off the bench and give you tremendous minutes. Shooters, defensive players, not to mention Denver is the hardest road destination to play in the NBA. Not that they're the loudest fan base or anything like that, but it's Denver. It's the altitude. It's tough to adjust to for, for road teams. And Phoenix will have home court advantage in that series coming in at least. And Denver can expose their lack of depth. So could, if the Suns were to advance past the Nuggets, the Warriors can, can combat that, as can the Lakers, to a certain degree, as can the, the Grizzlies. Grizzlies, I've never attacked their depth. They're a deep basketball team. I mean, it's taking Devin Booker having 30-point, you know, high 30s games. I mean, last night he had 45. It was incredible last night, hitting tough, tough shots for the Suns. That's what worries me about Phoenix moving forward, is the fact that they're not getting good looks. And when you have guys as good as Book, when you have a point guard, I, mean, get, I don't think CP3 has to be good that offensive at that good offensively in terms of shooting the basketball, in terms of scoring the basketball, for the Suns to make a run. But I do expect him, as the floor general, the point god, as some have called him, one of the greatest point guards the game has ever seen, to help his two best scores, KD and Book, get good looks. And they're not. Now, it's three games of the playoffs. Monty Williams is one of the better coaches in the NBA. You hope and anticipate that they could very well adjust to that. But I'm worried about Phoenix in the long run. I have, I have not loved what I've seen the first two games. As for the Clippers, look, can they win the series? Maybe. I mean, they have to win game four. Game four is on Saturday, I think. Saturday afternoon. Yeah, Saturday afternoon, 3.30 Eastern on TNT. Uh, Suns are six-point favorites in that game. I will, again, once again, I'll take the Clippers and the points. But, especially with Kawhi coming back. Part of, <laughs> it's kind of funny. This is why Westbrook fans drive me up a wall, man. They, they, they drive me crazy. Guy has a, guy makes one decent play and they act like he's Magic Johnson. It's incredible. And I remember the criticism 
oh my gosh, TikTok did not want to hear it, which it's TikTok. Who cares what, what, what people on there think? But TikTok did not want to hear it. <laughs> people watched the show didn't want to hear it. On Monday's show when I said, Westbrook made two great plays in the end of that game against the Suns. Credit to him. He had two clutch free throws. Hats off. Okay, Russ is he's not a bad free throw shooter, but he's not typically been a that reliable of a free throw shooter. Hits both free throws, gives the Clippers a three-point cushion, and then makes an incredible play on Devin Booker at the end of the game. Aside from that, he could not have played worse. The man shot three for 19 from the field. He was awful. And Westbrook fans everywhere try to convince me, no, you didn't watch the game. Look at all the hustle plays. I'm like, I'm in, I'm, I don't expect hustle plays alone from Russell Westbrook. I need more than that. If you're going to shoot three for 19 for the field, I'm going to need more production. The funny thing is, it's Westbrook's worst game that they defend him. Westbrook was pretty good in game two. He was tremendous last night. Man shot like 47%. That is not, that's not been Russ. Even Russ's apex prime MVP level of his career. What's the one thing he's never had? Production. Or production, no. Efficiency. Production in terms of efficiency. Game one, that was the case, and then some. Game two, efficient as heck. Last night, 47%. You will absolutely take that from Russell Westbrook. He shot pretty well from three in this series. He's getting to the rim. Now, now, you saw, he plays late in that game. It's, it's, it's giving me, you know, it's reminding me too much of Jordan Poole. That's why Jordan Poole's driving me nuts with the Warriors right now. You saw a couple plays there at the end of that game. Downhill, playing way too fast, out of control, turning the ball over, missing bad looks. Like, that's what you come to expect to a certain degree from Westbrook. Outside of that, I thought he was great. I mean, forget the stat line. You, you say, what was it, 32, 12, and 8, I think was his, was, was his final stat line. Make sure I'm getting this right. 32, 12, and 8. I'm sorry, no, 30, 12, and 8. But 11 for 20, for the, 3 for the field, you'll definitely take 3 for 7 from 3. Westbrook's never been a good 3-point shooter. 3 for 7 from 3, you'll take that any day of the week from Russ. But if Kawhi comes back, I don't expect Russ to be that good again. However, the, what and this is what, what makes me laugh about Westbrook fans. His, forget worst game of the series, folks, he was terrible in game one. And because he made two plays in a 10-second stretch, all power to him. But that was the only good basketball he played all game. The other, how many minutes did he play in game one? 35, 40 minutes in, the, in game one? He played 36 minutes in game one. The other 35 and three-quarters minutes, Westbrook was terrible. They defended him over that game. It's like, no, you picked the wrong game to defend him on. You defend him for how he played in game two. You defend him how he played last night. He was really good. I'm a Westbrook skeptic. He was really good last night. But Westbrook fans did not want to um, did not want to acknowledge that. Barry's in the comments. Barry's not a big Russ fan. He, he's the Lakers fan. He's traumatized by the Westbrook experience. He says, my Russ analysis won't be so pleasant. Kudos to you, LMAO. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I call it like I see it. Okay, Russ was bad in game one. I mean, I, listen. Here's what I'd say, Barry, and, and other Westbrook skeptics like myself. 
Can you ask for a whole lot more than what he gave you in game two or three? I thought he was really good. I did. I don't expect that in game four with Kawhi coming back. But the notion, and this is why I keep laughing at the notion when people talk about this would be a quick series. No, it was not. It was, if Paul George never played a second in this series, this was never going to be quick. Ty Lue's one of the three best coaches in the NBA. Clippers, one of the deepest rosters in the NBA. Kawhi, when healthy, that is always a question mark for him. It's why when I did my playoff weaknesses, Kawhi's health, Kawhi and Paul George's health were, were two of the weaknesses. Westbrook's playoff history is one of them. The Westbrook thing hasn't played factor yet. The Kawhi and PG thing absolutely has. But Kawhi, when healthy, is one of the best playoff performers we have in the league. This was bound to be a kind of a drag-out series. Still got Phoenix in six. Then Clippers win game four on uh, Saturday. And the Suns win the next two after that to advance to play Denver in the second round. Uh, before we get to our next topic, we do have a couple or a, a few uh, games tonight. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'll tell you, we're, we're not even a, a full weekend to the NBA playoffs, and it's been great. It's, I mean, just crazy games down the wire. Now, we haven't had a buzzer beater yet. Haven't had a buzzer beater yet. So, kind of got to wait for that. Who knows? Maybe it could happen tonight. Maybe it could happen pretty soon. Love playoff buzzer beaters. But in about 15 minutes, although the game won't tip off at that time, it'll probably be about 20 minutes after 7 Eastern. You got Celtics Hawks, Celtics uh, five and a half, uh, yeah, five and a half point favorite in game three. Uh, I have Boston in a sweep coming into the series. I, I just think it's a terrible, terrible matchup for Atlanta. They have no length, no consistent, uh, you know, Shot creators for them outside of Trey, and Trey's been terrible the first two games. Boston's length has is really given them problems with Tatum, Brown, Brogdon, Smart, Horford, and Robert Williams down low. Like this, this Atlanta was never going to win a game in this series, and I don't, I don't think they win tonight. I don't think they win Game Four. Sticking to Boston sweeping that series, so I think the Celtics win. I think it's a tight-ish game. Yeah, you know, listen, Atlanta. I've, I've been to a you know Atlanta's arena. They got a great fan base. I think they'll get into it. Give the Hawks the the, the much needed energy that they'll need in order to sustain a solid level of play in this game. But I think Tatum and Brown will make some big shots down the stretch. Uh, maybe like a dagger three by Marcus Smart or something in the corner to, to, to win it for the Celtics. But I've got the Celtics winning tonight in a close one, though. Uh, the big one, probably going to get the highest rating, is Cavs-Knicks. Madison Square Garden. We know Spike's going to be there and Tracy Morgan's going to be there. Uh Ben Stiller might be there. I mean, all the all the Knicks fans, all the celebrities are going to be at the Garden tonight. That's an 8.30 Eastern tip-off. Knicks are two-point favorites in that game, so that tells, tells me Vegas kind of likes Cleveland a little bit. I had Cleveland in six coming into this series. Would not be shocked if the Knicks win tonight. If I had to make a prediction, I will roll with the Cavs. I think what you're going to see tonight, and I said this coming in, Donovan Mitchell, we know over the last couple of years before he was eventually traded to the Cavs, that there was a lot of Knicks rumors. Donovan's from New York. He's, God bless him, poor guy. He's a Mets fan. Uh, you know, he's, he's from that area. Like, it made all the sense in the world. The Knicks needed a guy to, I mean, they're always going to sell tickets, but Knicks fans want to come to the arena and not root for the opposing player. 
Because that's kind of that's kind of become a running joke in New York that if if a if, if a road team with a, a legendary player like if a LeBron James comes to the Garden, the fans don't come to Madison Square Garden to root for the Knicks, which is their team. They come to root for LeBron. They come to see LeBron put on a show. They come to see Kobe put on a show or, or MJ. It's kind of been a running joke for a long time. Donovan, not to the level of go- those guys, obviously. Donovan Mitchell was no, you know, LeBron, Kobe, or Jordan, obviously, but he would have made things somewhat interesting. He's, he's certainly, not only is he a better player, he's a lot more fun to watch than Julius Randle. And even Jalen Brunson, for that matter. And I love Brunson. Brunson's had a phenomenal year, but Mitchell's the better player. All of that said, I think this is gonna kind of going to be Donovan Mitchell's opportunity to do what Trey Young did a couple of years ago. Remember Trey Young played those three games at the Garden. There's a lot of animosity, and he's, he hits that game winner game one. He's you know hushing to the crowd. Hey, quiet down. He, he hits that dagger three in game five, takes a bow as if he's on Broadway in New York. Right, kind of plays that villain role. I think we're going to see a little bit of that from, from Donovan tonight and throughout this series, especially in the Garden. So I got the Cavs winning a great game tonight. I think it's, we're going to see a back-and-forth finish, fourth quarter, some big shots, big stops. You know, we're going to get mad at the refs making a bad foul call from, from time to time. I think it's going to be a very, very entertaining game. I've got the Cavs by one. Cavs by one tonight. And then the really exciting game. Cannot wait for this. Denver Nuggets, Minnesota Timberwolves. No, it's probably the least entertaining series in the first round. Either that or Celtics-Hawks, and at least Boston, you know, it's, it, it's team made the finals last year. They're, 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 an, they're an entertaining watch in the league, and Trey Young's an entertaining watch of the league when he's on. But I'll roll with the Timberwolves. I think I said Nuggets and five come this series. I think the Timberwolves will get this game. Denver's a two-point favorite, but Anthony Edwards had a great game, too. Minnesota darn near stole game, too. They made a huge, like, 14-0 run in the third quarter to get back in that game, Denver, led by Jamal Murray, uh, made the big plays down the stretch. And what have I been saying? Remember I said this like two, three years ago? And I've been saying for a while, I'll repeat it now. Obviously, Jokic is the best player in the Nuggets. It's not even debatable. I think him winning the last two MVPs was ludicrous, but he's still a phenomenal player. We've never seen anything like Nikola Jokic. And he's clearly the best player in his team. But... If you ask me who I'd rather have in a big playoff game, Jokic or Murray, I'm rolling with Murray. He had some big playoff games in 2019, had some massive playoff games in 2020 in the bubble when the Nuggets got to the conference finals that year. And Jamal Murray has an excellent playoff history, and you know all he did was drop 40 in game two against the, the Timberwolves. So anticipate Jamal Murray to continue to play well. Jokic will do his thing. But as the old, as, as the old adage goes, we know role players are a lot better at home than they are on the road. Minnesota's role players will step up. Denver's won't be as good. I got Timberwolves tonight, and I think the Nuggets will take the next two and win in five games. So I've got the Celtics tonight, Cavs tonight, Timberwolves. That's who I got winning these three games tonight. And then you got, oh, how about that? We got we got four games on Saturday, and we got four games on Sunday. Whew. going to be fun. It's going to be some fun basketball, no question. Now, one of those games tomorrow, and it's a, it's a shame that it tips off at 10. It's a shame that it tips off. I wish this, this should have been the primetime game, in all honesty. Grizzlies-Lakers, game three. 
Lakers are a four-point favorite, by the way. So this is certainly it's neck and neck between this and Warriors Kings as the most entertaining series in the Western Conference. Entertaining for different reasons. But, you know, Dylan Brooks is doing all he can to try and create some content for my show, which I don't like Dylan Brooks even in the slightest, but, uh, you know, I, I like him for that. At least he's giving me stuff to talk about. I had a little bit of, a little bit of spice to this series, as if it needed any extra. Dylan Brooks was talking to the media after the Grizzlies' Game 2 win over the Lakers on Wednesday. In a game where I said, I'd actually feel pretty good if I'm the Lakers because AD was coin flip Davis. He, the coin flipped tails, so he wasn't good. Not that tails is necessarily bad, but, you know, they say heads first for a reason. Coin flipped tails. AD was bad. Role players are bad. D'Lo was horrible. D'Lo was worse than Anthony Davis was. LeBron didn't have his best game, and that was still a, a, a nip and tuck ball game with three minutes left. Like, I'm like, Memphis played well, Lakers did not, and the game was still in doubt with three minutes left. Like, I'd still feel great if I'm the Lakers. Great. Especially with John Morant coming back, potentially. I'd feel even better if I'm the Lakers, because we all know the Grizzlies are a substantially better basketball team minus John Morant. The, the evidence is overwhelming. They're 33-13 and 13 without John Morant. Okay, you think the Lakers are going 33-13 and 13 without LeBron? I think the Warriors going to have that record without Steph. The Bucks without Giannis. Call me crazy if I said that that's probably not going to... Not going to come to fruition. But all that to say this, Grizzlies won game two. Uh, Dylan Brooks apparently thinks he's, you know, somebody needs to tell him he's not exactly locking up, um, not exactly locking up LeBron James, which I'll get into in just a second. But uh, he had some, he had some words for the King himself. Take a listen. There are some people, Lakers are making that run. They did it to 14. You and LeBron have that exchange. There are people out there that say, Maybe, maybe you shouldn't do that with one of the better players in the game. What, I guess, what, what were you thinking? I don't care. He's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, he should have been saying that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so, um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and take it on any challenge that's on the board. Okay. That was Dylan Brooks on LeBron James. There's a lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack there. So first thing he says, I don't care. He's old. Well, in basketball terms, he's not exactly, he's not lying. Although LeBron Old, old, old LeBron James, you know, just out here limping around year 20 average, you know, 20, 29, eight and seven. Uh, so that's, that's aged. We, we know father time is going to beat LeBron at some point because father time is going to beat all of us. It's undefeated as, as, as the old saying goes, but he's having one heck of a battle with LeBron. He's fatigued from battling Tom Brady for 23 years and he's having to fight LeBron now for the 20th year in a row. But, the second thing he said was that, uh, you know, he's just another player and whatnot, and I don't respect you unless you get 40. That doesn't make any sense at all to me. There's been a lot of guys who get 40 off of Dylan Brooks, for the record, just, you know, kind of throwing that out there. But Dylan Brooks talks about 
poking the bear. I poke bears, which in itself is not a not a very smart thing to do. I, I, I'm not just going to walk up to a. I know it's obvious he's obviously making an analogy, but I'm saying I'm not, I'm not walking to some bear in the forests here in Tennessee, black bear in the Smoky Mountains, and messing with them. Because if it's a cub, then mom is nearby, and I'm I'm dead meat. But the thing that Dylan Brooks really got wrong here. Here's the problem with what Dylan Brooks said. He said he he, he pokes bears, which that in itself is dumb. But if he's talking about LeBron as if he's a bear, that's that's not at all accurate in the slightest. It's not poking bear. LeBron's not a bear. If you're poking LeBron, you're not poking a bear. You're poking a goat. The go, as far as I'm concerned, we can argue about it another day about who it is. If it's LeBron, Jordan, who cares? We can do that another show. But worst case, he's the second greatest player to ever play the game. And typically, trust me, I'm a Warriors fan. I, I, I would know with my team being involved in many, many big games against LeBron James himself. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Throughout the two decades that LeBron has been tearing up the league, it usually hasn't worked out when somebody has, quote-unquote, to use Dylan Brooks' own words, poke the bear, whether it be Gilbert Arenas back in the day. Gilbert Arenas still to this day saying crazy stuff. That's kind of his brand. Whether it be Lance Stevenson. Remember the old the meme of Lance Stevenson blowing in LeBron's ear and LeBron's just kind of smirking like, this guy, this, this clown. To my guy, love him. Okay, he's 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 my dude. I always say if I grow, you know, I want to grow up and, and, and be this guy because who doesn't? Remember what Clay Thompson said? Man, I'm PTSD right now. <laughs> Remember what Clay Thompson said in the 2016 finals? Golden State infamously goes up three games to one. Draymond gets suspended, and Clay says something along the lines of, "I guess LeBron got his feelings hurt." And it's like, Clay, what are you doing? And all LeBron does was drop 41 in game five, 41 in game six, and a triple double to win the finals in game seven. No, I still have not recovered. I hate Cleveland to this day for it. Do I think LeBron is going to just have a virtuoso in terms of scoring the basketball? Is he going to have like a 50 piece? I don't think so. Now, would I love if that's the case? Sure. I think this is going to be a situation where LeBron's not going to look to make a statement early. Because LeBron's a very, he's probably the smartest player that's ever played the game. Not just in terms of basketball IQ, but Bron knows trash talk. Bron knows how the game of trash talk works a heck of a lot better than Dylan Brooks even thinks he knows. Here's what LeBron James is going to do. He's going to be a little passive early. Going to look to get other teammates involved. Again, role players are better at home than on the road. 
Thus, LeBron, like he's done his whole career, he's going to get look to get Austin Reeves involved. He's going to look to get D'Angelo Russell involved and Jared Vanderbilt, who had a bad two games. See if he can keep Rui Hachimura uh, in in uh, in a rhythm. He's not going to initially give Dylan Brooks the satisfaction of acknowledging his comments from Wednesday night by just going head down, attack mode. 100% at Dylan Brooks for the first quarter. That's not what LeBron James is going to do. Because in part, LeBron is 38 years old. You're not going to get the same production if you play LeBron 40 minutes now as you would just three, four years ago. LeBron's going to, what LeBron's going to do is make Dylan Brooks let his guard down to where Dylan Brooks is getting under, under the impression of, okay, stick with LeBron because Dylan Brooks has been guarding LeBron has been, and has been doing so good of a job on LeBron. I mean, he shut LeBron down, really. You know, LeBron in, in the series against Dylan Brooks is, as the primary defender uh, has scored 26 points on 61% shooting, 43% from three, and zero turnovers. Other than that, Dylan Brooks is doing a great job. But Dylan Brooks, being the immature player he is, is going to let his guard down. Be like, okay, obviously my words didn't get in LeBron's head. And if this thing is nip and tuck, which I think it will be, come fourth quarter, that is when you're going to see the king. That is when LeBron's going to continue to get guys involved. You know, he's not going to go solo show. Not going to go Westbrook. But eight, seven, six minutes left the game, then you'll see attack mode LeBron. You'll see him taking the patented three he has where he he, he looks down at the ground and then raises up. It's like the... It's it's the most confusing move I've ever seen. When LeBron has never been a great three point shooter, but he seems to never miss those shots. He's going to attack the rim, maybe shoot a couple of fadeaways like that. Remember that shot he, he broke the broke Kareem's record with against OKC. He loves that fadeaway shot at this stage in his career. He'll shoot that. He'll get to the rim. He'll knock down a couple of threes. LeBron will not come out in attack mode. But you bet you you bet everything you got. Fourth quarter, he's going at Dylan Brooks. He will not give Dylan Brooks the early satisfaction of going at him. Why is that? Because that'll build Dylan Brooks' confidence. Like, oh, wait, what I said affected him. It impacted maybe the greatest game who's ever, maybe the greatest players ever played the game. My words have resulted in how, have, have impacted how he is playing. Braun's not going to give him that satisfaction early. Brooks is going to let his guard down, then Braun goes at him. Because that's what the killers do. They don't get you when you're, you know, when you're ready for them. Somebody's not going to break in a house if they know somebody's ready for them. They're going to break in the house when everybody's asleep. When there's nobody there, if, 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 if you know, if it's like a, a bank robber or something. Ba- bank robbers typically, unless they're crazy, don't rob banks in, the, in broad daylight. They do it at night. Same scenario. Same strategy with LeBron James. That's what I anticipate will happen in game two. Uh... <laughs> John Rivera, Brooks winning in life. <laughs> I mean, look, listen, I think anybody in the NBA who's in the NBA is living, in, you know, winning in life, making a lot of money, especially Brooks is, you know, like the eighth best player on, on a good Memphis team. Is he a very good basketball player? I mean, no, he's like, he's barely a 40% shooter, but hey. Patrick Brown, the host of the Forum Podcast, Lakers show. He says, uh, we talk more about what Dylan Brooks wears and says versus what he does in the court. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, he's trying, I heard someone say he's trying to go with the stone cold Steve Austin look, 
which if you it actually kind of makes sense when you consider his just god awful fashion choices. I'm I'm probably not one to judge fashion. I'm not exactly one who makes a whole lot of statements with that on my show or otherwise. But even I can recognize when okay, bro, that that didn't work. That is that didn't that didn't look good. Patrick Olson says Dylan Brooks rattled the rattled the Lions' mane. LeBron will do his talking on the court. I hope he puts Dylan Brooks on a poster. Put these kids in timeout. Listen, for I picked the Lakers in seven games come this series. I'm now thinking more like six. But that's the one series in the first round I hope I'm wrong on. Because I believe we're going to beat Sacramento. I believe the Warriors are going to beat the Kings in this series. I really don't want to play the Lakers that much in the second round because I think the matchups slightly favor LA. Can the Warriors win the series? Of course, but the matchups favor the Lakers slightly. I'm praying to God that we get Memphis. Because what what I sort of live through the experiences of Lakers fans and the Lakers in general, because I don't like the Lakers, not as much as I dislike the Grizzlies, but what I sort of live through the experience of Lakers fans and anybody involved with the purple and gold, should they beat the Grizzlies? Why? Revel in the Grizzlies defeat? Of course I will. Of course I will. But it won't feel the same as if we, for the second year in a row, end their season. There's a whole different level of satisfaction that comes with that. So. I hope the Lakers lose this series because I think the Lakers are better than the Grizzlies. They match up better with Golden State than Memphis does. And secondly, man, I'm jealous. Man, I want us to end end Memphis this season. I don't want y'all to get the satisfaction of that. Come on. I mean, outside of the Shannon Sharp game, as it will become known as, and we know Shannon will be at the crypto.com. You bet your dollar. Strike the, the fear of God into those Grizzlies. But... Outside of what became sort of known as the Shannon Sharp slash Team Morant game, the Grizzlies haven't talked up until the series, at least up until the series, all that much trash to the Lakers. They've been talking about the Warriors. Warriors have been living rent free in the Grizzlies' head for years, which would make it all the more satisfying if it's the Warriors who take Memphis out of the playoffs. It's gonna be a good game three tomorrow, though I think. Four points favorites uh, are the Lakers. I think they win close. I think LeBron, I'm going to give him 35, 9, and 8. 35 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists for LeBron James. 35, 9, and 8 for the King. That's what I got. And then game four would be on Monday. Yeah, be, be on Monday in LA. There you go. Okay, so final topic of the day. Certainly more serious than, than than these NBA playoffs are, and it's it's it, it just sucks. Um, I, I saw the story. I was I was in I was in class today. I saw the story come across my phone. I'm like, dang, this is just brutal. So about it's a little after seven Eastern now, so about eight hours ago ish, the NFL suspended four Detroit Lions players: uh, Quintus Cephas, C.J. Moore. Uh, and and uh, Shaka Tony, who is now a Washington commander, and Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams is a wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. He'll be going into a second year with the team. Very, very talented young player. I mean, it actually came out of Alabama, played well. Um, 
at the University of Alabama certainly has an opportunity to be the star in the NFL, I think. If he's able to stay healthy, given how deep the Lions wide receiving unit is at this stage, and by the way, I expect Detroit to be really good this year. Maybe not a championship team, but given the momentum coming off of last season, I think Detroit's going to be a factor this year. And I think this guy has an opportunity to be a big part of that. But now he's gone for six games, suspended by the league for gambling. Now, the rules by the NFL clearly state players can gamble on other sports. NBA, Major League Baseball, you know, college, well, I don't, I don't, maybe not college football, I th- probably so, but I don't know about college football, college basketball, and, and soccer, and all of the above. They cannot gamble in the NFL, which I think is a perfectly reasonable rule. I, I don't have a problem with that. A lot of folks are comparing this to the Calvin Ridley situation last year. Calvin Ridley got suspended for the entire 2022 season for gambling. And again, I still don't know if we know all the ins and outs of what was going on there, but they suspended him the whole season. I am genuinely shocked that Jamison Williams only got six games. Now, again, I don't know the facts like the NFL does. Maybe... Calvin Ridley's involvement in gambling was far more severe than what Jamison Williams did. But in terms of on the surface, the act itself, to me, what Jamison Williams did was far more egregious than what Calvin Ridley did on the surface. Again, I do not know the details. Here's why. Players in the past have been suspended for gambling throughout NFL history, throughout sports history. I mean, Pete Rose is, to me, inexplicably banned from the Hall of Fame. To me, it's one of the biggest crime in the history of sports that the man has more hits than anybody in the history of the game isn't in the Hall of Fame. Don't get my blood boiling on this Friday night. But it's it's happened before. And it happened last year with Calvin Ridley. Got the whole season. But he was the first in what feels like a while to get punished as severely as he did for gambling. Got the whole season. One of the, he's not an elite player, but he's a very, very productive wide receiver. Like he's had thousand yard seasons in Atlanta. Now he's in Jacksonville. I think he's gonna be a big factor for that Jags offense this season. Again, the Jags are a team I think is gonna be good in 2023. Jamison Williams to me is far worse for this fact alone. Calvin Ridley, again, being uneducated as I am on the details of how much he gambled. Calvin really doesn't have a recent precedent for this punishment. Doesn't like, up until Ridley, it had been a long time since we've seen a guy get suspended for gambling. Jamison Williams is different because he has Calvin Ridley look to. There's a, it seems like today I've been doing a lot of, there's an old saying, adages, if you will. But one of, the, one of the best out there is a, a wise man learns from others' mistakes. A fool learns from his own. How Jamison Williams is not aware of what happened to Calvin Ridley. How, By the way, how these other players are not aware of what happened to Calvin Ridley last year and what position he put himself in and yet still going out and doing what they did is really bad. It's, it is incredibly poor judgment on their part. 
And not just that, but just the simple fact that, I mean, Jamison Williams is on a solid rookie deal. If you look at, look at the terms of his contract, he's, he's getting a nice you know rookie deal because he was drafted fairly high last year in the first round. You're willing to put all of that at risk for how much we think he was gambling? 200K maybe, which that's a lot of money to us. But you know, for an NFL player, does it hit them the same way as it would the average person? Why they would put so much on the line? What Calvin Ridley did last year, for example, what what he put on the line, what Jamison Williams, what these other guys are putting on the line? Man, is it really worth it? Now, I don't know if it's for pride purposes. I don't know what's going on. Again, I'm unaware of the details of the situation. But is there anything worse? They wouldn't lose their career at six games. But losing six game checks over? Is it worth that? Is potentially pride worth that? Again, how are you not aware of what happened to Calvin Ridley last year? And yet you put yourself in this position. Listen, Jamison Williams is a second in the, in the NFL. He's still fairly young. God knows young people like myself make a heck of a lot of mistakes. There's no question about that. Nobody's perfect, and everybody screws up when they're young. So I don't want to be brutal on him. But man, you can't put yourself in this position. You can't. Understanding what happened to a peer at the, ironically, the same position that you are, wide receiver, who got docked for the whole season last year. And in your case, you were fortunate enough to get six games. I don't get the judgment there. I really don't. Uh, uh, Fat Hill Jeffrey, he, he was uh, commenting on the show recently. <laughs> he said, yo, what is the topic right now? Uh, just the fact that, uh, f- was it four other? Four four. Four players were suspended for uh, for gambling. We got Jamison Williams, Quintus Cephas, C.J. Moore, and Shaka Tony. Also, by the way, Stanley Berryhill, uh, who plays for the Lions as well. So that's two guys for the Detroit Lions gone to the wide receiving units. Uh, are suspended six games. Quintus Cephas is suspended indefinitely, as is C.J. Moore, and Shaka Tony is suspended indefinitely. So again. Barry Hill and Williams, boy, they dodged a bullet. To only get six games for gambling, they they better they better think they're lucky stars that they didn't get more than that. Because these other three guys are suspended indefinitely, and according to this article, ESPN, Eric Woodyard, uh, Woodyard uh, says that they, the other three guys that are suspended indefinitely, can reapply for reinstatement after one year. And the Lions, by the way, Cephas and Moore, announced that they released those two players. So it's even worse for those guys because they put themselves in this position. They had nobody to blame but themselves. To lose your job over what? Over what kind of bet? Man, I hate to see it. I hate to see guys putting themselves in this position. But like I said, they have nobody to blame but themselves. Wise man learns from the mistakes of others. The fool learns from his own. Wishing the best for all five guys. Hope that they rebound from this. Hope that they understand where they really, really screwed up. As we all do. As I, again, I'm 19 years old. Going on 20 in a couple months. The guy that screwed up, everybody has. 
But man, there's, cer there's certain things you can't do to put yourself in position to potentially lose your career in the case of two of these guys, in the case of Jamison Williams in particular, losing six games and six game checks. We'll see what happens moving forward. Because like I said, the kid has all the potential in the world. He was amazing at Alabama in college with, with Bryce Young. Like I said, wishing the best. Kind of a, a depressing, kind of a depressing note to end the show with, but that's it. That's all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always, and be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid YouTube channel. Be sure to like, share, comment, take two seconds out of your day, hit that big red subscribe button. There it is right there. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network on YouTube. It's where you can find my show on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, anywhere and everywhere that you get your podcasts is where you can find my show directly on the Grid Network. It's where you can find many other shows, many other incredible content creators in the Grid. You saw Patrick in the comments. You got the Chaotic Sports Podcast, the Forum Podcast, which he's got. Uh, the Forum is excellent, especially. It's a Lakers show. Want to get the perspective of a Lakers fan, especially right smack dab in the middle of the playoffs. That's your go-to spot. You got Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk. No, he's going to be a big, big part of Another thing that I'm going to be advertising in just a second to be promoting for six days from now. Can't wait for him, but he's doing awesome work for uh, for the network with the NFL draft and all things NFL. That's your guy to go to. Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast. Check his stuff out. You know, bad guy Barry, as he would call himself, the villain. Him and his guys are always a are always a hoot and a half when, when you listen to All Even. So check out his stuff. Alpha Parsar Jr., the Metropolitan Report, which is the Mets podcast, the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast, which is obviously a Jets podcast. Amazing stuff from him. The Cowboys Cam Fan podcast. Ant, Adam, Alex in Canada. Huge Cowboys fans. They got some great content coming up in the coming weeks. Love having them as, as teammates in the network and good buddies of mine. Parnell from the Commander's Demand podcast. Check his stuff out as well. We got a couple of new members, or really a few new members to the grid uh, that we'll be announcing uh, very, very soon. Very excited to have them a part of the network as well. And finally, before we get out of here, so it's April 21st. So six days from now is the tr for at least the first round of the 2023 NFL Draft. And so, as I started talking about on Monday, had uh, – uh, Ryan on Ryan Flowers on the show last week to talk about it and actually had an NFL agent. Again, big shout-out once again to Jill Baxter, uh, phenomenal guest yesterday. Please go check out my interview with her from yesterday's show. About an hour in is where you can find it. Uh, but the the Grid 2023 NFL draft, draft Live Reaction Show will be this coming Thursday, April 27th at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific Time, right here on the Grid's YouTube channel. Again, we don't know as of right now if it'll be on other channels, whether it be mine or anybody else's. Still working out that, but I'll be a part of it. I'll be kind of like the moderator slash host. Uh, Ryan will be there. Barry will be there. Parnell and Alfred, plus some new members of the Grid who will stop by. Definitely going to need to ch uh, check them, uh, them out, get some guests on. Very much looking forward to the Grid 2023 NFL Draft live reaction show Thursday, 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific time, right here on the Grid on YouTube.
Definitely be sure to check that out. It is going to be a blast doing the draft. I've done the last two NBA drafts with Mike Guido and Barry Grant Jr., 2021-22, and certainly we will absolutely uh, try and put it on once again in 2023. All, all, Both of them have been a blast. I anticipate the summer, if we could put it together, will be a blast as well. I have no reason to believe that that will not be the case on Thursday. Do not miss it. 2023, the Grid Draft Live Reaction Show. Be there. Be in the comments. Let us know what you think about what we have to say about the picks. It's going to be a wild night. All kinds of stuff happening. Maybe some trades and some surprise picks. The whole bit. Looking forward to it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please be sure to call your state representatives and senators and demand change for gun violence, which is such a terrible problem that we have in this country. Please be sure to call them. Make your voice known. Make your opinions known on what we have got to do to address the problem. God bless you all. Peace out. Dylan Burke's going to eat his words. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.